Blog Talk Radio. You are now tuned into Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes. With your host, Jay and Trey. Yes, the strange, strange year of 2020 continues. If you're watching Espen right now, you're watching summer camp, spring training, baseball going on, and you're taking a break from that to listen to us. And if you're doing that, we appreciate it very much. Uh, welcome in live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Sunday night, Ju- uh, July the 19th, 2020. I- I'm totally thrown off by the spring training games happening right now in July. I'm Dre. He's it's summer, Jay. It's summer training. It's summer camp. Summer they're camp. not spring training. They're at summer camp. <laughs> Sponsored by some camping website because everything, oh. as always, is all about the money. Anyway, we're not here for that. We are here because it's time for the Hall of Infamy induction ceremony. You may know that the real Hall of Fame has their weekend around this time, around the All-Star break, all of that thrown out the window because of that dastardly, dastardly coronavirus. So if you're looking for some Hall of Fame, Hall of Infamy, this is it. We are the only show in town as far as any kind of uh, Hall of Fame induction. So we're loving having the spotlight on us and just us. That's how it should be anyway, because we're the only Hall of Fame that really matters. Uh, Jay, it's it's... You're promising me a, a special year of inductions uh, going into the Wayback Machine, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I was noticing as I was going through my list of five here, which I've had for two years, when you actually you texted me this a couple of weeks ago, uh, and some delays caused the show to be tonight, finally settled on tonight. And you said uh, MLB, uh, HOF, and I was like, oh, oh my God. Shit. You're <laughs> like, when do you want to do it? And I was like, Oh, crap. So I pulled out my phone. I was like, oh, I'm good. My list is done. So <laughs> I had seven I had seven things on my list. I, you know, whittled that down to five and moved the other two on the, now I'm done. Onto the burner. And those can be a couple of years from now. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's very, very eclectic group uh, this year. We're, we're uh, talking about uh, two players who are both being inducted for nothing they did on the field. Uh, although I think we would both agree, you know, in, in the year of writing injustice, we are correcting some wrongs with the two players, and I'll bookend the uh, Hall of Infamy slash Hall of Fame, because uh, remember, it's not always infamy here. It's not always murder and crime and deprivation, and you know, sometimes we do put in people for legitimate reasons. And I, both of the players I'm putting in are players whose impact on the game uh, is still being felt today. Uh, in, in many ways, uh, and neither one of them is in the Hall of Fame, but they're, damn it, they're going to be in our Hall of Fame. How's that? If they deserve uh, to be in, they deserve to be in. They, they deserve yeah. their shine. We're going we're gonna to have uh, a blowout game in, not a, in which not a single pitch was thrown, inducted into the Hall of Infamy this year. Uh, we're going to have our first animal, I believe, that we're going to have in either Hall of Infamy. <laughs> um, and we're even going to get a fan into the Hall of Infamy. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
but maybe I, I, not the one you think. Oh, I was just about to say, if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, but maybe not that one. Okay, well, so uh, we it, will it'll certainly... Be, it'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, uh, we got two real heavy baseball shows here this week because we're doing right. all of Infamy tonight. We've got baseball with baseball preview <laughs> um, coming up. I want to be in a baseball fantasy league where you have a category for players that get COVID and you get points for that. I, how do you guess that though? How do you know who's going to come down and, and yeah. it, it's so random. You don't. Just... you don't. That's the whole fun. I want extra points. Damn it. Well, I want to be in a league where I want to get points for the guys who at the last second decide, you know what? Fuck all this shit. I'm not playing at all this year. (laughs) The hell with all all this. We've already got an all-star team of guys who just out of hell with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and no reason for them not to to do that either. Just, just said, you know what? It's not even worth it. It's just, it's just not worth it. <laughs> go back! Oh, that's, that's the guy yelling at you in the snowstorm. Go back! Right. It's not worth it's it. It's not worth it. Um, so, two quick questions before we get into the uh, inductions here uh, to kind of judge the you know, take the temper of where you're at on this. Uh, what do you put the chances at, percentage-wise, that we actually have a World Series champ this year? That we finish this? Probably eighty eighty five percent. If they're okay. this, if they're this horny to get the season going, even though clearly <laughs> the country is not really all about yeah. baseball or sports or anything right now, they're kind of dealing with some more important stuff. But damn it, we got to play our baseball and we got to play our basketball. If they're that horny to get this thing in, then I'm sure they're going to find a way to finish the season. It, it might be like all, you know, it might be triple a all-stars versus each other by the time we actually yeah. make it to the world series, because all the real players either get sick or, or drop out on, on purpose. Uh, but they're going to finish there, There's going to be a champion. There's going to be rings and they're going to act like it's just as legitimate as any other year, even though it's clearly not. Yeah. And then I guess the second question for me to you is what is your level of enthusiasm for the season? It's funny just watching these these exhibition games yesterday and today and realizing that, you know, the real season is going to start on Thursday and uh, we're going to do our, our season preview on Wednesday and uh, all of this. It's, it's all happening. It's really going to happen. And you know what? I'm probably going to be watching, but just watching these games that are taking place today and, and yesterday, I felt kind of gross. Like, this shouldn't really honestly be happening right now. Baseball being played is the reward of the other countries, such as Korea, Taiwan, et cetera, et cetera, that did what they had to do to get rid of this shit in the first place. And America is very famously not doing what they have to do, and yet they're forging ahead and having this season anyway as if they deserve to. I don't think America really deserves to have this season. Again, I'm going to watch, so I'm a hypocrite. If you want to call me that, that's fine. But I was watching, and I was, you know, excited to see the hard-hit balls and, and looking at the filthy curveballs and going, ooh, that's nasty, nice. And, you know, getting the, the normal kind of excited and revved up when baseball starts every spring. Of course, this is not spring. But at the right. same time, it felt kind of kind of sickening, like, because this really, really shouldn't be happening right now. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sort of a damn the torpedoes 
uh, element to everything that just we're just we're just going to forge ahead and just forget it. You know, just everything be damned. We're just going to do this, and we've just decided, and we're going to play these games, and we're not going to have it. We, we we know as we always play on the show that it is all about the money, and will always, always be always be all about the money. So it is still, even though there's going to be no fans and no take and no concession. It's all about democracy. Yeah. It's all about democracy. There's, there's definitely going to be a captive audience for this. I mean, definitely. So, quote unquote, it's going to be, you know, no pun intended. Um, you know, a lot of and people at home. Lot, yeah, cardboard audience. A lot of people at home, a lot of people. But, you know, as this sounds weird to say, but you know, as, as co-host of a, of a sports themed podcast, find myself not really giving a shit about this right. season. I, I kind of look at this as a joke season to begin with. Um, the rule changes, the, the inflated rosters, the universal DH. It's like, we're just doing anything we can uh, starting the 10th inning with the guy on second base. Just like all the stuff that we've crapped all over on this show in the past. They're just like, ah, no, we'll just do it. Um, don't like back. It. but it'll be actual major, mostly major league baseball players in major league baseball, empty stadiums and, uh, very surreal and, and, and hard to watch. Uh, if it's like what those KBO games were like <laughs> watching a couple of months ago, that was not very exciting. No, um, I, I where the announcers, where the that. announcers for the game, funny, were actually like doing it from their house in their basement. Mm-hmm. It looked like, and it, yeah, I mean, if this is what we're gonna get for sixty games and then a postseason, sure, you're, you know, it's still gonna get the competitive juices flowing, and you're still gonna root for your team. And but I, I, I'm not finding myself overly excited um, for this particular baseball season. It, it doesn't. You know the basketball thing. The uh, is that even is that done? What's going on with NBA? No, they're going to start. It's going to be oh, okay. uh, more towards the end of the month. I think the twenty eighth okay. with that. So yeah, because I mean, we haven't heard it with all the baseball stuff been ramping up here. We haven't really heard much about the bubble um, with the NBA. We haven't heard much about the NBA really since the players all showed up in that was it eighteen or you know or so that had tested and positive. Right. And that was about the last real NBA news, and everything has just been on on uh, sort of lockdown as the players are all sort of sequestered down there, getting ready to play a, a shortened end to the NBA season in the bubble. And we just sort of just keep waiting for that other shoe to drop when, you know, you're going to actually start playing these games, and then you're going to have players testing positive. Then what happens? Because it's going to happen. Uh, someone just asked them the show tonight. They were doing an uh, inter- uh, on the game tonight. The Sox and the Cubs are playing on ESPN, yeah. and and they were interviewing Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks looks filthy already. Right. Yeah. There was there's some of that. There's oh, there's that changeup. Ooh, that's seventy nine. Yeah. That's nasty. This is still kind of gross feeling, but you know it's baseball. Um, but they were interviewing Jed Hoyer, the Cubs GM. Yeah. And I, I think it was Chipper Jones who asked him, and I forgive me for bringing it up and not having a resolution because it was right at the same time that I was starting to get the show ready. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what the answer was, but Chipper actually came up with a pretty good question, which somebody had to have given him because Chipper's an idiot. So he couldn't have come up with it himself, but, but he was asking, Oh, but again, any, 
any criticism of ESPN or the leagues or anything, and, and something happens uh, immediately on the show to let us know, we are never in charge of our own words. Jason just dropped. Uh, oh, he is trying to come back in. I clicked the wrong button. Oh, I see. I, I apologize. I, I was blaming uh, ESPN and the, and the sports leagues. I said, anytime we criticize, <laughs> it's Russia. To it's do. always <laughs> Russia. Everything's Russia's fault. No, I thought it was uh, ESPN. I, I was about to criticize ESPN and Chipper Jones, and I thought that immediately they they shut us down. But oh. no, that was that was human error this time. Okay. <laughs> because of my love for Chipper Jones, see, you know. Because you love Chipper Jones so much. I no, Chipper love, was I love me some, love me some Chipper Jones. See, he had me he had me taken off. He remembered that day <laughs> in Wrigley Field that I may have screamed something uh, that would not be uh, acceptable today. Can't really got scream that Twitter. Today. Nobody has yeah. the receipts. Nobody has the receipts. So it can't, didn't, it seared into my memory and yeah. probably about a thousand people sitting around me. But <laughs> Chipper Jones remembers. Uh, He's like Pepperidge Farm. He always remembers. Uh, no, he was, asking, he was trying to ask Jed Hoyer, what are you going, what are you guys going to do when someone comes down with this thing in the middle of the season and you're on yeah. a road trip and the guy can't get back on the plane with you because he got the, he's got the goop? And how are you going to resolve that? And Hoyer was starting off – I don't remember because he started off with like a non-answer. Like, that's a very good question, Chipper. And, and he started kind of <laughs> pontificating was, yeah. and he, Clearly didn't have a, an answer on the spot for, for how that was going to work. So he was trying to buy some time. And so I just kind of zoned out at that point. But, no, this is the type of things that's going to happen. And they're, they're going to have to address it and have resolutions. And basically it's all going to be in the service of the show must go on. Uh, they're all WWE now. All oh, the okay. sports are WWE in a couple of different – and I don't want to take too much more time from this is supposed to be your show. Yeah. But they're all – they're all WWE in two uh, different aspects. One is Vince McMahon uh, very famously kept the, uh, the the show going, kept the, the card going the night that Owen Hart fell from the ceiling to his death in the middle of the ring in front yeah. of 20,000 horrified people in Kansas City, Missouri in 1997. And they went out and had matches after that happened, they, they scraped, they literally scraped the fucker off the ring apron where he smashed his head and broke his neck and died and kept the, kept the car going and sent guys out there to keep wrestling the, the rest of the night. Uh, this is what this, the major sports are now. They, they just see the money disappearing if they don't have a season and they say, you know what, fuck it. We're just going to keep playing and we're going to pretend like everything's all good. And all our announcers are going to just, have generalities about, oh, this just feels so strange. This this year is just so weird. But at least the sports are back, and, and we're trying to get back to normal, and, and everyone's going to have that upbeat attitude and pretend like, yeah, everything's fine. Nothing nothing to see here, folks. Just keep moving along. Uh, so there's that, and there's uh, their WWE as well in the, uh, in, the, in the spot of these crowd noises that are being piped into these games now and trying to find the right time for the guy to hit the button to make it to make a cheer to make it sound like there's people there to take away from the eeriness of the fact that there's no people there that you're supposed to forget about the fact that there's no people there uh wwe and and other and not just them other wrestling organizations as well have been doing this for years they sweeten the, the crowd noise they make things sound more 
uh, heated than they are than they really are. If they don't get the reaction that they want, they'll that, that's fine. They'll just pipe in the noise and make it sound like they got the reaction they want. So uh, they're, they're WWE in that respect too. They're making it sound like something that it's not. It's eerie. It's 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 beyond weird. It's just a. Uh, you told me in a text. This is just a big pile of weird, and and I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I do not like that at all. The, the the crowd noise thing. While I'm sitting here, there was a hard hit ball for a base hit, where someone on the Sox hit a ball uh, underneath someone on the Cubs. You know, di- past the diving third baseman for a hit, and because it was such a hard hit ball. The, the sound guy was so slow on getting the, the, Oh, sound. And so the ball was already already, you know, to the outfielder's glove by the time yeah. the old sound came. And that was like, that just, it, so it's that's a, stupid. It's a sitcom. We're watching a sitcom. It's got a laugh track. If you're going to do that, don't do it at all. If you're going to be that slow, then maybe it's, it's spring training for the, the sound guy. Cause he's not used to having to do this. <laughs> So maybe he'll be quicker on it uh, in two weeks. I don't know. I wonder if they're consulting uh, with the Atlanta Falcons uh, about pumping in fan noise. uh, Perhaps. There are experts out there. I'm sure we'll have – we can hit this in the second half of the show. Um, I'm sure we have some thoughts on this and on things because the world is going mad, right, right before our eyes. So in a mad world – an interesting thing. I guess I, we can get started. Um, we don't really do any music for this, do we? No, we don't. I usually do a, okay. a goofy intro of you because I'm a ham and I like doing that. So oh. without further ado, this year's Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy baseball induction being done by your MC for the evening, Jason. Me. Thank you. Uh, we'll start off here. Topical. Very first entry, uh, probably the most serious, although, like I said, the, the last one will be um, uh, somewhat serious, too. We're talking about players whose impact is felt on the game to this very day, yet both somehow are not in the Major League Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame's a joke. Um, and in this case, we are going to deal with the current state of economics and baseball. We are going to deal with racism we're going to deal with we, we, in, in, in an age of collar cow and kaepernick and and blackballing and and this is a story that predates everything that we're going to be talking about by 50 years yet somehow still remains topical and relevant in the baseball era that we live in currently uh for events that happened before we were born a player that retired before we were born um but yet whose impact is still felt on the game to this very day. Let's correct a wrong and put into in, in, in a very respectful manner, because there's no jokes here. This is not no murder, no rape. <laughs> no, uh, this is a very serious uh, writing of a wrong. We, we definitely have that with both of our hall of fames now and hall of infamies because we have it in football and we now have it in baseball because we haven't been doing the baseball one for very, for very long. So to say that certain players are going to be in with uh toughy roads, you know, <laughs> we'll have the serious wing of the hall of fame, but we're putting in a player who's long been deserved. His due needs to be in the major league baseball hall of fame. And that player is one Curtis Charles flood. <laughs> So, a lot of people out there, 
probably listening just went, who? Because <laughs> this is, you know, us as the inside baseball guys, we know this story. Uh, but Kurt Flood was a player on the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, had, a, had a good career. Not a, he was an all-star. Uh, he was a good player. As I read through his highlights, three-time all-star, two-time World Series champion, seven times Gold Glove Award winner. Um, didn't fill up the stat sheet. Uh, because this is back in an era of baseball when guys weren't hitting 75 home runs a year and, you know, and, and doing all those crazy things and hitting all these statistical milestones that we, we sort of artificially place out there. Very good, very solid ball player. Um, decided that he did not want to accept a trade from his team to the Philadelphia Phillies because the Phillies stink. Uh, he was a 12-year veteran at that time, and he's just like, you know what, I've had enough of it. So he took on something that baseball had had for many years called the reserve clause uh, for basically people who don't pay any attention to baseball pre-1970. Uh, what the reserve clause was was basically baseball slavery. It was baseball's version of slavery. didn't matter how good you were, what race you were, but it was baseball. It was the plantation of baseball. You got picked up by a team, you came onto a team, and they basically owned your ass, and they could do whatever they wanted to you forever. And Kurt Flood was like, no, nah, I'm not going. They're terrible. The fan, he didn't want to go play in Philadelphia. The fans were racist. Uh, he says, I'm not going. It's a terrible team, terrible facility, terrible fans. I don't want to go. Um, and he decided on January 16th, 1970, to file a lawsuit. Uh, with the backing of the MLB Players Union, um, and that basically ended his career. Uh, in, you know, in, in we would say he was a pioneer of his sport, and he was, even though he lost his lawsuit. Um, did not win by losing, so galvanized the Players Union that the modern era of free agency, as we know it, in baseball and and also in many other sports can be traced back to the Kurt flood case also had a rule named in his honor. And what we now call, nobody calls it the Kurt flood rule anymore, but as you and I would call it, it's the 10 and five rule. And the 10 and five rule says, if you've been 10 years in the majors and five years with your current team, you basically have a built in no trade clause. Um, so for, you know, pioneering in the sport and, and believe, you know, death threats, slurs, all, all the things 50 years ago, right? I mean, we're, ta- we're ta- still talking about these things today. Imagine this in 1970, 1971, 1972 America, um, to the degree of what we're talking about it today. We'll t- it's times 10, probably everything that we're talking about right now. Um, at one point was receiving four death threats a day. Um, completely blackballed out of the league, got one more shot to play, uh, wasn't successful. He didn't have a very good year in his final year, his 1971 year, after sitting out for an entire season in 1970 as the lawsuit was going on. But yeah, if somebody, you know, somebody needed to take a stand, and we salute you, Kurt Flood. We absolutely do. He is uh, very infamous in baseball for taking a stand and, and doing exactly what he did. Uh, he may someday down the road get into the real Hall of Fame because his impact, as you said, is monumental. 
um, with free agency with the 10-5 rule, which was known as the Kirk Flood rule. Um, yeah, that was uh, – I, I don't know how baseball can sort of ignore how big of a deal Kirk Flood was and what he did was challenging the reserve clause. It, it, that was before our time, uh, right before we were born. Um, but yeah, anyone who knows even a little bit of baseball history knows about Kurt Flood and, and what he did and what he had to go through uh, to sort of set the standard there. Um, you know, he's going to be uh, someone that I think baseball is going to, to fight against getting his just desserts for a long time. It might still be another decade, two decades, uh, maybe longer before he gets his due. Just because if you think about from baseball standpoint, what he did was take the the slavery aspect from the owners and, and give the players more freedom and more ability to uh, to have their career go the way they want instead of just be at the whim of whatever team happens to, to draft them and own their rights. And I think baseball is still a little salty about it, quite frankly. I think uh, it's a, a unbelievable to imagine baseball today without that player freedom. Uh, but I think the the ruling fathers of the sport, so to speak, uh, still probably have a, a little salt for, for Kurt Flood for, for doing what he did because, yeah, that was exactly what he did. He, he sort of broke the chains of, uh, of, of what they were doing to the baseball players at the time. They, they were holding those rights and deciding to do what, whatever they wanted to it or trading them like they were chattel really. And, uh, Kurt Flood said, no, I'm, I'm not going to stand for that. So absolutely, all the props to Kurt Flood, we absolutely salute him and, and definitely uh, long, long overdue. Yeah, so, and if Kurt Flood at some point here posthumously, sadly, he's been dead for 23 years, um, does get into the MLB Hall of Fame, we're not taking him out of ours. See, <laughs> you, no, there's no take-backs once we put you in. We won't put in a real Hall of Famer. We'll cheat the system, right, to get guys in. We'll put in props. We'll put in quotes. But if they can't do it justice for a man who's been dead since 1997, we can do it ourselves, and uh, it is forever. So I uh, that one was that was actually number one on my list from the last time I did it and has, has stayed there throughout. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm glad I got the chance to do that because that, that just is one of those sports stories that you think about fandom these days. Not a lot of fans know about, especially your younger generation of fans. You don't hear it called the Kurt flood rule anymore. You right. just call it, it's just the 10 and five rule. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, uh, a pioneer of an era, you know, and we, we, we talk about the, the racist element of sports. Uh, you know, we always talk about Jackie Robinson, right? Cause he broke the barrier. He broke the color barrier. Oh, he's credited with breaking the color barrier. Um, he's the face and, of the color here for sure. Yes. And what is basically the, the, who is the person who is the face of breaking the players out of ownership bondage. Uh, just doesn't get as much run as he should. Yeah. And, and definitely should be in the major league baseball hall of fame. Right. He, not, he's in ours forever because something. So. Right. Baseball should have put him in a long time ago. So he, he should have already been in. Absolutely. Ah, well, we're going to do a complete 180. 
We're also going to jump ahead to the uh, in time a little bit here to uh, July twelfth, nineteen seventy nine. Our youth. <laughs> I, I still and, wasn't watching. Uh, yeah, we were, we were only three. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to indu- induct a date here, a date, a game, an event. Um, we're going to induct a game in which the final score nine to nothing in which not a pitch was thrown. We're going to induct a game, which to this day is the last American League game to be forfeit by the home team. And one that's probably very near and dear to your heart, we're going to induct Disco Demolition Night. Uh, As a White Sox fan, this has got to be a good one for you. At the stage here, July 12th, 1979, Comiskey Park. Uh, you have Bill Veck's kids. So you have Mike Veck. Uh, you know, Bill Veck very famously, like the, the, the showman of baseball, right, with all the goofy, uh, oh God, shenanigans and promotions and, and things that they would try. And uh, they, they basically find out that the local DJ, uh, Steve Dahl, uh, you know, we grew up with you know, Stephen Gary fame, uh, was going to be blowing up disco records at a mall. Someone goes to Bill Ve- Mike Veck and says, hey, let's turn this into a promotion at our, at, at our park. So they decide to do it on July 12th in between a day-night doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, telling fans that if they bring their old disco records for 98 cents, they can get into the ballpark. Um, and it's it's goes on to find out that they were only expecting maybe 15 to 20,000 people to show up for this game. 50,000 people showed up, paid attendance at Comiskey Park that day. Officially, 47,795 <laughs> showed up. Uh, for a mid-July day-night doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers, which is just astonishing. Uh, So middle of the two games, they take all the records out to center field, and they're going to blow them up. And they did. And also set the field on fire. And then a riot kicked off in which multiple thousands of fans ran out onto the field and trashed the field. And therefore... The White Sox, being the home team, had to forfeit the game, the second game, against the Detroit Tigers uh, with the official will. Tigers scored a run in every inning, and you get the 9 to nothing final score. But it is to this day the last time an American League game had been forfeit. And, of course, it had to happen on the beautiful south side of Chicago. <laughs> of course. That's a, a huge part of the story of it is uh, – you know, yeah, being a White Sox fan and and sort of knowing the the dynamics and the politics yeah. behind that, uh, Steve Dahl uh, made a whole career out of it, basically. Um, but yeah. he's uh, a rock and roll DJ. The rock and rollers are taking sort of a beating uh, because disco was so popular at that point in time. Um, so even though I wasn't watching baseball yet, I do remember uh, disco. We were three. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. We were three. <laughs> um, but I do remember the music of, of the time and, and how, especially in my house, disco was, was, was very popular. Um, but yeah, if you look at the old footage of Disco Demolition Night, which is very easily available uh, on YouTube and whatnot, uh, you'll notice the, the demographics of the people that were so gleefully blowing up these disco records and yelling disco sucks and yeah. beer all over themselves and whatnot, uh, overwhelmingly white people. Uh, so this wasn't so much about disco sucks as it was about rock and rollers and uh, the de- the demographics that love rock and roll uh, finding a reason to be able to violently attack a music that was so very popular to not just black people, but gay people as well. And in the politics of the, of the late seventies, this was sort of like, Oh my God, this is, you almost see the same stuff when uh, Obama got elected president, sort of this panic of, Oh my God, those people are taking over. Those people are going to be on top of everything and we have to do something about it. That's how you, Wind up with Trump as president, but that's another topic. But yeah, this was just this is the rock and rollers' chance to to be led by this idiot doofus Steve Dahl in a in a metal hat, acting like he's a army general, uh, leading the brigade to to blow up these disco records in, in center field, and just the the mass hysteria that resulted from that. It's a, a shameful chapter in in White Sox history. It's really a shameful chapter in baseball history, the fact that you have to have a game canceled because the field is in such terrible shape that you can't even play it. Uh, and, and not only that, but just the atmosphere, the the sort of violent, uh, on the verge of a riot type of atmosphere that was uh, happening uh, at the same time. It was, it was a mess. It was a complete mess. It's reminiscent of uh, maybe another game that should be inducted someday. Uh, I think it was in Detroit where they had like a Maybe, or maybe it was Cleveland, like a five-cent beer night. Ten-cent beer night. Ten-cent beer night. I, um, I, I, Yeah, I was actually uh, – I had the pleasure. You weren't there a few years ago um, at our fantasy baseball trade fest. And one of the teams, uh, one of the owners of the teams was actually at that game. Uh, and I wish – I wish that I had – a tape recorder to just record, you know, what was just being said about that game for somebody, you know, we hear about these incidents and they're sort of their legend, but then to hear about it from somebody who's like watching the whole thing develop and they had the view of the whole thing and, you know, and they see the players throwing beers and get, yeah, just, you know, to have somebody who was there and it was just, it was, and it made me think about this, for imagining what you've got a stadium packed full of 40 some thousand people and you're in between a double header and it's a hot night. And the next thing you know, there, there's an, they're, they're literally having a promotion where there's an explosion on the field. The field yeah. catches on fire. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, it was estimated to be about 7,000 of those 47,000 fans stormed the field and it and made the scene so terrible that the game had to be forfeit. Just disgraceful. Just, just, just absolutely crazy. Um, when you, when, when I'm you assuming that, and that happened in, that, that's our town. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's that's my stem old Comiskey Park that I went to many many times. And and come uh, to find out on uh, Wikipedia that one of the fans on the field that was on the field who, who stormed the field during the melee uh, was one Michael Clark Duncan. Ah. <laughs> The late great Michael Clark Duncan. Wow. Okay. On the field during the melee. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Disco Demolition Night. Proudly inducted and deserving <laughs> into the, definitely into the more infamy side of the Hall of Infamy. That that uh, gets so, its old. That gets just you, you. You can see if you close your eyes, you can see the exhibit. There's the famous picture of the fan on the field with the explosion. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. We've all There's seen it. Doll, doll in his dumb sunglasses and, and yeah. military hat with the microphone leading the brigade of of the stupid of running stupid. on the field. <laughs> brigade of stupid. That really should have been in the title of it. Um, the guy telling the story about being at uh, 10 cent beer night, uh, I assume that's O'Day. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was, but yeah, he was there. He was in Cleveland and uh, he was at 10 cent beer night. And it was just, it was just, it was a mesmerizing story. Uh, to see we, through. we absolutely, honestly, if we were a real show, we, well, we should have him on the show to tell the story. Um, we should someday. I, I, I yeah. I've thought about it and I've just thought back and it was just, it was one of those though, where it was like, you were catching, you know, and he was telling it to a group, you know, there's probably 15 of us all there and he's telling the story and it was, uh, it was trade fest night. So there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, it wasn't yeah. like he was telling it at the draft and it's always like, you know, we're always in a hurry at the draft. It's like, come on, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. Uh, so this was a much more casual, you know, and we're all just sitting out in the backyard and having a barbecue. And all of a sudden he's talking, he's telling this entire story. It's probably a good 15, 20 minute story and just you're catching all the little flavor of everything that you just can't get from like reading about something. And uh, if Michael Dark Clark Duncan was still alive, he'd tell us all about <laughs> disco demolition night. So, uh-huh. <sighs> so we're that we're two down three to go. <sighs> you ready? I'm ready. All right, we're going to jump ahead quite a bit here to the 2001 season. You can't say 2001 without thinking about 9-11. And you can't think about 9-11 without thinking about the great Arizona Diamondbacks uh, New York Yankees World Series, right? With oh, Randy yeah. Johnson and Kurt Schilling, and, and you got Young Young Kim blowing saves left and right, and you got Mr. November, right, with Derek Jeter. <laughs> we're going to go back Kim to the was be your induction. No, we're going to go back to the preseason. Okay. We're going to go back to March 24th, 2001. A meaningless spring training game between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants. And the scene of the crime with one dead bird. Oh, no. (laughs) That's right. I'm exploding. An exploding bird is my next entrant. It's the MLB all of it for me. You leave that poor bird alone, man. Come on. March twenty fourth, two thousand one. Randy Johnson in a meaningless split squad game is uh, pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he winds up to pitch. And it, it's great because this game was not televised, 
if you go and hunt the, the video down on YouTube, you'd swear you're watching like the baseball version of the Zapruder film <laughs> because it's just, this is all pre HD. So it's like, it's all grainy and you can see all like the tape marks and, you know, and it's like the bottom half of the screen isn't quite aligning with the top half of the screen and it's all jerky. And uh, Johnson winds up to pitch and some, and a white blob just starts kind of, <laughs> moving right to left across as his pitch leaves his hand. And Randy Johnson, big unit, uh, Hall of Famer, um, doesn't throw lightly. You know, I mean, he's throwing 99, he's throwing 100, he's throwing 101. He, he Nothing was – nothing he threw was soft. His slider was, was hard. So, uh, you know, halfway to home plate, all of a sudden there's just an explosion out of his hand and you have feathers, just, just feathers just everywhere. <laughs> and the carcass of a bird, like, rolling towards the uh, foul line, the first base foul line. And, uh, yeah, Randy Johnson, on that day, straight up murdered a bird with one of his pitches. <laughs> which, believe it or not, drew the ire of PETA. Oh. They were outraged. And could you imagine... The Randy Johnson is uh, canceled or the big unit party is over tweets that we'd have to be subjected to in 2020. If that had happened now, if we had Twitter as we did back in 2001, yes, PETA was outraged and considered filing a lawsuit against Randy Johnson for animal cruelty. Like, 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 like he's like baseball's Mike Vick. Um, because he was, you know, like he was like aiming for the bird. Um, yeah, Randy Johnson. I don't need to talk about this one very much. You can look the video up on, on, uh, YouTube. It's grainy. It's, 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 it's definitely a bird getting murdered by Randy Johnson on the field. But on that day, it turns out the bird was a dove. So Randy Johnson, you found out what it sounds like when doves die. What did that sound like? I wonder. That that had to be disgusting. Uh, um, yeah, the uh, most infamous moment of Calvin Murray's career. He was the uh, the young man yes. standing at bat when that happened. <laughs> Just imagine you're standing there waiting for the pitch. It's like boosh. It's like uh, <laughs> ball. Is that a ball? <laughs> no pitch. There was no, there was no pitch uh, that occurred uh, officially uh, when, when that ah, happened. Um, not a wild pitch. <laughs> well, not officially, anyway. Uh, it it might have been hit a strike, uh, straight for the strike zone. We don't know. We'll, we'll never know. Uh, the the world will never know. Um, yeah, anything Peta does is batshit crazy. Uh, so the, the fact that they threatened to sue him was that that makes sense. That, that's within their <laughs> that, that that fits their profile perfectly. Um, yeah, if, if you Google search Randy, it's like the second thing after his name is going to be Randy Johnson Bird. Like this, uh, yes. for for a certain section of people, like this is what you think of when you think of Randy Johnson, not uh, the the incredible baseball career that he had, not the Hall of Fame career, not the the six Cy Youngs or however many Cy Youngs he won, uh, but the fact that he killed a bird in a spring training game, uh, obviously wasn't intending to do it, but like for a pop culture uh, type situation, 
for some people, that's 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 it. That's what he's famous for. Like, oh, that's the guy that killed the bird. Like, n- nothing else. Not, none of the other parts of his great career. It, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, just one of the most freakish freak ac- accidents of all time, and uh, a sad posthumous induction uh, to to that to that poor dove. And uh, yes, yeah, somebody actually took the time to calculate the odds of that happening. <laughs> It was nine millionths of one percent <laughs> chance. So I guess that's the chance every time you throw a pitch. Mm-hmm. So nine millionths of one percent chance every time you throw a pitch. So watch out, Peter. It's going to happen again. Uh, maybe not in lifetimes, but no. At so some point, we uh, I believe have our first animal, albeit. <laughs> A posthumous entry. It's a dead animal. Into the Hall of Infamy. I don't think we have that in football. Uh, Do we have any dead animals? We could. Can't think of any. Uh, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't think of any. We could. It's bad news I've heard. Oh, can't think of anything living uh, in the Hall of Fame that's not a human or uh, in the Hall of Infamy. So yeah, yeah that, that's All that's right. a first. All right. See, I've told you this was going to be unique tonight. <laughs> We've got explosions, literally. We've got exploding disco records and exploding birds. If I knew you were doing the disco, I would have saved the air horn for that. <laughs> you requested the you air horn uh, a couple. Yeah, you requested that a couple of shows ago, so I finally yeah. got got, got the air horn for one? you. How did we not have that one? I don't know. No, but we got it now, baby. <sighs> so we're going to jump ahead time. to the most most recent event, um, or. Entry onto this list, September 19th, 2002. And then we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine for the last one again and just be completely blown away as to how I've been, how am I entering this person into the Hall of Fame, Hall of Infamy? I don't know. <sighs> but we're going, to end, we're going to start the fan wing of the Hall of Infamy. And obviously, this being 2002, we are going to go a year before Steve Bartman, who you'd think would be like, the, the, like the wing would be named after him, right? Like we did the Jim Morrow yeah. wing. You'd think you'd have the Steve uh, Bartman wing of the Hall of Infamy, which we very well, we could call it that, right? You could have the picture of him sitting there with his sweater <laughs> on, with the headphones, wiping the tears as you walk into the fan wing of the Hall of Infamy. And as you walk into the Steve Bartman wing of the Hall of Infamy, you'll see a nice, uh, you'll see a statue. You're going to see a statue of a fan and his son, I give you the Legui boys. I hate to shit all over my list. Hate to shit all over your White Sox here, but uh, they just are the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, September nineteenth, two thousand two, Chicago White Sox are hosting the Kansas City Royals, and two fans, William Legui Jr. and his son William Legui the third. Uh, decided uh, shirtless to jump out of the stands from the first base side of the field and assault first base coach Tom Gamboa of the Kansas City Royals, who they beat so badly that he ended up with permanent damage of his hearing in his right ear. Um, After the melee, Gamboa actually found a bloody knife 
on the field as well, and which was part of the story that I did not know until I started looking into this, that there may have been like an, like you may have been attacked by like armed guys. Uh, the, the Lugui boys, upstanding citizens said that Gamboa had uh, basically made a rude gesture at them. And I've been to many ball games and I you see many rude gestures I've seen players and coaches. It, it, it happens, but Gamboa denies to this day that he never like yelled at these guys or put his hands up towards them or made any kind of gesture. But these two guys, they had it in for Tom Gamboa. And they, you know, in the short time that they were on the field before the melee got broken up, they beat the live-in hell out of him. And again, caused permanent damage to this man's uh, hearing. And uh, not not the best day for fans um, in the city of Chicago. And uh, the Luigi boys turned out to be complete piles of trash, uh, run-ins with the law afterwards, uh, prison time as well. It just not not a good moment in, in sports fan history. And while we may uh, remember Bartman for impacting the game, and we can remember Malice in the Palace for players jumping into the stands to, 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 to go after fans, uh, this basically was an unprovoked attack on a first base coach at uh, what was probably a completely meaningless baseball game in uh, September of 2002, and, and not the shining moment uh, for a city uh, sports team or its fans. So there they are, you know, sh- you know, shirtless and beating up Tom Gamboa. There's your statue, the Lagui boys. Newcomers gives very odd things happening there. Shameful things. Things that no one should be proud to be associated with at all. The Liguid set off my little thing. And amazingly, uh, you know, time did not make them regret anything at all because the dead spin of they caught up with. Uh, we're having some audio difficulties here, folks. I apologize. I can't hardly hear anything Andre is saying at the moment. Uh, he's been cutting out here a little bit. Are you, are you still there? And fuck up. I, th- I think he's swearing at this computer or something. Yeah, you're 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 cutting out pretty bad there. It just started as you started talking about the Leguis. So maybe the Leguis or Russia have got something on you. And this isn't good. I, he's completely, completely not there at the moment. I don't know if he's working on some, some technical difficulties. I'll give, give him a moment to, moment to try to try to get back in. He's running the show tonight, so kind of need him. the 51 minute mark that gives me enough time to do my last one if we can get get Andre back here I don't even know if I'm being heard yeah I'm kind of kind of crapping all over his White Sox tonight but that's okay the Cubs have given plenty of uh Cubs have given plenty of reason to and and ammunition to people who want to put things into Hall of Fames and Hall of Infamies so don't worry I'm sure I'll be getting he'll be getting me back I'm sure but uh 
those were two moments in in my life. And that's the last time I I think I put in the role with Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura. So I promise, I promise, two years from now I will lay off the White Sox. I don't want to keep going so uh, White Hello? Sox heavy. But yes, <laughs> I was trying to filibuster uh, there. What happened? I dropped again because my computer ah. and connection suck. Okay. That was, yeah, so I missed your whole soliloquy there on the Legui boys. So I'll just oh. do my last one here, and you can, uh, you yeah. can give it to us, uh, your your fond memories of the Leguis and their their mark on Chicago sports uh. fandom after I get through my last one. <laughs> after I get through my last one here. Uh, another serious one. Uh, we, we were talking about we're going to right wrongs, and we do that sometimes here at IMLD. We do it for football. For football we've done it for baseball. We're going to right a wrong with another player who absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame, has statistics, has longevity. We're talking about a player who, over a span of a, this is going to be insane, 26-year career, finished his 26-year career with an earned run average of 3.34 won 288 games, although albeit over 26 seasons, so not a huge average there, right? Uh, But still had a very positive win-loss percentage. Also, 2,245 strikeouts. This guy's not a fireballer in a 26-season career, but is a player to this day that we talk about almost every single day. Thomas Edward John Jr., or as we call him, Tommy John. Oh, uh oh! Did you did you fall away again? No, I'm back, but the, sh- the show buttons are not. Ah, there okay. we go. Not a day goes by that we don't watch a pitcher and talk about him. He's gonna have to. We all Kurt Flood. We don't talk about the <laughs> Kurt Flood rule, but everybody knows about Tommy John surgery. Uh, he was the first one to have it. The doctor who performed the Tommy John surgery, guess what? Hall of Fame. Right. But the guy who had his ulnar collateral ligament rebuilt by said doctor, and to this day had the surgery named after him, and I mean, and everybody, you have kids who contemplate having Tommy John surgery now just for shits and giggles. Hey, I want to get my arm stronger. Let me get mine out of the way. I'm just going to get that that TJ surgery. And it wasn't like Tommy John had the surgery and was some buster. Four-time All-Star, 26-year career, great win-loss record, great ERA, and also had the most pioneering surgery in baseball history. And Tommy John ain't in the actual Hall of Fame. And he said, it gets talked about. It's like, oh, well, but guess what? Didn't make it on the regular ballot. Never got more than 31% of the vote either. So mm. you baseball writers just need to, like, sit and spin or something. This is not <laughs> not a cool thing. I mean, we talk about Kurt Flood not in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, maybe someday, you know, we'll put him in and he's dead. Uh, Tommy John's still alive. And if you ask me, Kurt Flood should be in. And I think most definitely for his contribution just to the – state of the game and and you had your you have your name attached to something as famous as the surgery that has extended careers 
for, 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 for years and years and years. It used to be that you, you had that injury done, right? You, you, forget it. Yeah, coming back you were was the, not... You were out of the game. There was no coming back from that, or there was no coming back from that without significant reduction in your performance. Right, it and, wasn't an and, automatic like it is now. Right. And John came back from it September 25th, 1974, um, when he had the surgery, and uh, the people didn't know if he would ever pitch again. Uh, I'm reading here that the, 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 the Dr. Frank Job, who did the surgery, uh, said that the odds were like 100 to 1 that it would even be successful. Tommy John pitched until 1989. Yeah, he was definitely pitching when we started watching baseball. He, yeah. that, that's a long, long time after that surgery. Started pitching in 1963, stopped pitching in 1989, and right smack dab in the middle of that had his elbow reconstructed um, in a surgery that we still talk about to this day. And his name is thrown around, and this man is not in the Hall of Fame. So, Tommy John, you're in ours. Damn right. The kids probably think he's the doctor that did the surgery because it's called Tommy John surgery. That's <laughs> exactly right. I'm not uh, saying they yeah. do, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so I told but. you, we'd bookend on a serious note. We got Kurt Flood and Tommy John in uh, with some with some shenanigans in the middle. Yeah, well-rounded. Uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of different angles, a lot of a uh, lot of stomping on White Sox history, which is uh, <laughs> I promise to be no uh, White to Sox be expected. No White Sox <laughs> next time. I was talking while you had dropped about how Jesus last time I did Nolan Ryan and and the fight with Robin Ventura. Oh, the noogie, yeah. The noogie, and this time I get in the Laguise and Disco Demolition Night. I promise, in 2022, I'm laying off the White Sox. Okay, I'm laying off. I, I think you covered it. I think you've gotten all of our shameful moments in, so I, I don't think there's anything left. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to induct that atrocity that is their new stadium, but uh, the giant other, astro- other than that, but yeah, I've sat. I sat in the old top of that upper deck before they shaved it. Row 36. And I seriously thought if I leaned far enough forward, I would get skewered by the foul pole. <laughs> Yeah, thirty-six rows. Believe me, I remember because uh, you, you're looking at the the stadium chart and you're trying to figure out what seats are you going to buy. And I remember it was my one and only time. It was at a Cubs, the very first Cubs White Sox game that counted. Cubs lost seven to two. Ryan Sandberg hit a homer, and I remember I was there with my sister. And in between innings, we were counting the burnt out windows in the Robert Taylor homes across the Dan Ryan. <laughs> That's how high up you are. You can you can see that's the how high up we were. We were literally counting the windows. It was a pretty high yeah. number. That was yeah. They, they were still there back then. Um, that would have been mid nineties. But yeah, Tommy John. What the hell? Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? I, I don't know. There's I don't I don't think there's any uh, resentment or shame like there is with no. uh, Kurt Flood. Uh, I I don't I don't know. I, I think Tommy John absolutely. Deserves it. I mean, that's the definition to me of fame. Like he's famous because <laughs> of that surgery. High, seventh highest win total for a lefty in history. Right, and and that's the other part of it is uh, he's got baseball bona fides too. If Burt Blylevin can be in the Hall of Fame, then Tommy John probably can as well. Yeah, and he pit, basically pitched half his career pre and half of his career post surgery. So I'm glad to put him into the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. More on our after show when we come back. 
now into our VIP after show program. And once again, I forgot to do the plugs in the live portion. So. Oh, oh boy. Well, yeah. We, we packed, that was probably, that was a packed hour because we went 15, 20 minutes. Um, before the induction. Even before started, yeah. we got into the inductions. And then, you know, and I, I don't do the prepared part like you do. I kind of go through and I get all of my information up on my screen and I kind of rehearse like in my head, like, well, okay, I started, you know, so that hour, hour and a half before the show, I'm going through and I'm coming up with, okay, I want to say this. I want to make sure I get this in there. I came up with the Prince joke. That was bad. Um, <laughs> which I thought you'd appreciate. I mean, I could literally hear you go, Oh my God. <laughs> when I said that. Cause I it's, it's like getting a fastball to the face. I can see it coming. And I can't get out of the way. I can see it. <laughs> it's like the Leguiz are stomping right towards you. <laughs> it's like a Randy Johnson fastball is coming at me, and all my feathers are about to go flying up everywhere. I just can't do anything about it. Yeah. But it really was a dove. And I, I read that, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I never knew what kind of bird it was. I learn things as I'm researching these shows. And, yeah, I go through and I read the articles and I jump back and forth and I kind of get all the pertinent information that I need up on my screen because I got a nice big computer screen. So I have it like in all my windows and I can jump back and forth and get all the things. And, um, yeah, I, I, it was definitely a little more tight this time for me. I, I wasn't uh, <laughs> during the show, which I think I'm going to have to start making that a rule when I'm doing Hall of Fame Hall of Infamy because I have football this year. Um, right? No, you have football this year. You don't have both. That would be uh, you Thank just God. did baseball. <laughs> I was like, wait, do I, I forgot how we even did it. It's like this is how messed up this year is. Yeah, but no, we don't ever uh, have. Uh, we're we're both doing both years. So your entire thing about the Leguiz, uh is is lost to history. So here's your chance to to rectify. It was that. absolutely nothing more than just talking about how shameful they were <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> find the uh there was something on deadspin about uh many years later like 2009 the younger one had like a myspace profile and so like not just talking about the attack but bragging about it as if it was something uh. to be proud of he had a picture of the of them from the attack and he captured it uh what did it say me and dad fucking up the coach for the kansas city royals it's like wow wow He's yeah, exactly. He's he's actually proud of that. Leguiz gonna Leguiz basically is what I was saying. That the, the Leguiz are were trash when they did it. They're still trash, and they're always gonna be trash. And and I hope they're proud of themselves. Okay. So, yeah, not too much to add about Tommy John. I, I mean, what what else can you say? He's a bona, He's got the bona fides. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's revolutionized the game with the surgery that we talk about. What else can you throw in there? And yeah, we and, and just having the scope of and the breadth of that career when they thought you're done, like you're never going to pitch again. The odds are all against you. And now this is the go-to surgery for guys who blow their arms out. And to just accentuate the point that you were making, that when it happened, obviously it was groundbreaking and nobody had yeah. ever done it. So you had no idea if he was going to how long he was going to be able to pitch and if he was even going to be able to to come back and pitch. And so all those years, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after that, all these people deciding to have that surgery, it wasn't the automatic comeback in a year and a half that it is today. Like everybody who has it today 
comes back in a year and a half, pretty much throwing exactly how hard they threw before the surgery. Right. Uh, unless something happens where they have to have a second surgery or a third surgery. Uh, so it's sort of an automatic today that you're going to come back and, and in some cases actually be stronger. Um, it was not an automatic all these past years before. Uh, it, it definitely was a, a question mark. And for someone to jump in and, and say, I'll, I'll do it, I'll be the first one to do it, because if, if I don't, then I don't have a, a career anymore. Uh, absolutely a pioneer. Um, the definition of fame. So absolutely deserves yeah, to be. exactly. I think, you know, and this is why, you know, we started doing this, you know, somewhat to kind of like put the put the thumb in the eye of the real Hall of Fame in our own little way. Um, and we do. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We just, I just put a dead bird in the Hall of Infamy with, in, with Kurt Flood and Tommy John. I don't want them to be – don't be embarrassed by this, gentlemen. Uh, you know, Kurt, wherever you are, and Tommy, wherever you are. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it was, you know, we can, we, we can play it serious. We can play it straight and we can play it, you know, funny because there's just, there's so much thing. It's fame and infamy, right? They're all infamous in their own way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love this. I, I, I love doing these shows and, uh, you know, for, for an hour, you know, you're not, you know, it was like, Hey, I wasn't thinking about my getting the goop or, what's going on. It was to say, let's, 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 you know, we can talk about sports, you know, the sports is that uniting thing and it has been missing. Um, even though it's going to be really weird watching the way it's going to be. Um, and I, and I know I'll have it on. I mean, when I'm at work, I'll have it on TV. That's, that's an automatic. Um, I have to watch Brewers games. Not that we're excited about (laughs) that, but, um, it's something MLB network will be on, you know, you know, you'll start actually, yeah, you're, you're the distraction, you know, and maybe people could use a little bit of a distraction right now. Some yeah, good like the, may come the, of it. The National League Central champion Brewers. Uh, that's that's absolutely a, a distraction or, or something entertaining to watch. The the, the, the defending division champions. Uh, not for <laughs> me. <laughs> I got to get a little dig in. Uh, uh, okay, the Cubs Cubs can't win every year. So the, I got a World uh, Series title in my life. I, I everything you, you after this should is be gravy. good. It's yeah. gravy now. Just being competitive every year is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the uh, National Football League Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy uh, induction that will be done by me uh, yes. will be coming up sometime in the uh, towards the beginning of August. Um, yeah, I, I was on vacation the week of the ninth. So that week of the 9th through the 15th, I was on vacation that entire week. So I was thinking if you wanted to do it the the week before, um, which right. actually would be by Hall of Fame time, like right around the 1st or 2nd. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm good for that because that actually would be almost perfect for Hall of Fame game. Yeah, that's I think that's exactly uh, when it would have been done. It's that first Saturday in August. So we, I know we would always do our show either that night or that maybe that Sunday night. So the first or the second. Yeah. So if I'm in my mind thinking I'm good for that, so that I'm good for. Okay. Which actually, wow, That's we're going to have three shows in three shows in three weeks or three, three shows in two weeks. We're back. <laughs> sports is back. Sports, yeah. sports, 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 sports. <laughs> yay sports. Um, yay sports. Uh, yeah, so, and our next show will be this coming Wednesday night. Wednesday. 
<laughs> this coming Wednesday. Wow. <laughs> that would be one, two, this three. This would be an interesting now. one because if we completely agree on everything, I'm done. <laughs> no, we won't because we won't. Here, I, you, you were talking about how uh, not ready for baseball and how weird everything was seeming to you, and that it is you almost don't really care. I, I might have you beat on that because when you brought up doing uh, a baseball preview show, my initial reaction was sort of like, we're, we're going to preview this shit? The, the little 60-game season bullshit that they're ah. doing? We're, we're going to actually seriously attempt to predict what's going to happen in those 60 games? Like, really? Okay. It's an excuse uh, so. to seriously at least talk about the season that's coming up in baseball and the weirdness. And No, I, I still think that I don't. I don't think that it's a sixty-game season. And you're going to have like the absolute dregs of the lick. The Tigers aren't winning this thing, right? It's um, sixty games. How the hell do you know? Anything could happen, right? Hey, where were the Nationals at after sixty games last year? They were like fourteen games very, out of first place. Very famously, nineteen and thirty-one uh, after the first <laughs> fifty 60 games. games last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, wow. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be fifty. But they um, still, if you're any team who's nineteen and thirty-one this year after fifty, ain't going to the playoffs. They're not going to have a, a ring ceremony. Uh, no, that's, no, that's not going to happen. So, no, you're uh, basically playing every game is the equivalent of three games. It's like a, every game is a series almost. Yeah, and that's why I'm not going to be too serious about my preview. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm going to I'm gonna have fun with it. It's going to be – I'm going to try to make it hilarious, some of the predictions that I make, because oh, man. It's, six, it, it's 60 games. Who know? Who the hell knows? <laughs> Anything I'm still really not, could I, happen. I will say I'm not going to half-ass it. Uh, I've decided that I'm just going to go through um, – the way I'm doing it this year is I'm going to compile a list of, of each team, where I think they're going to finish, and I'm just going to highlight, like, one guy. Like, like, the guy who makes or breaks that team. Like, if this guy is right, they have a chance. There are some teams that have zero chance, but – you know, like that key person. It's not going to be like obvious. You know, I'm not going to be like just take the best player, take the best player on every team. Be like, you know, the Yankees. We go if Aaron Judge is good. <laughs> so, Giancarlo Stanton stays healthy. Like an X factor type of guy, but you know, like high impact guy, and you know, especially for those teams that are supposed to be good. I'm going to try to put a little bit more thought into it. But so how do you know? And what I do. And you don't know, because what happens if that guy gets the COVID? Exactly. I was just about to say, what happens if that guy decides three games into the season? You know what? Oh, I'm through. Just hangs it up. I'm done. I'm not going to play this it. year. No, uh, no, 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 no. Ivante Davis is it. <laughs> he <just laughs> no. retires in the middle of the fifth <laughs> inning. I didn't mean that done. I meant done oh, with okay. the season. Like just, yeah. I'm, the, the risk isn't worth it, which really all of those guys really should do or have a have a – a legitimate reason to do that, but because it, it, it's so silly watching them sit there in the dugout with masks on, as if they're not, you know, showering together and, and slapping each other's ass in the clubhouse when they're no one's not looking supposed at to be showering. Apparently, they're all supposed to just leave. I, I know they're not supposed to. But be, do you but really think that's happening? No, of course not. I'm not um, going out and playing in dirt for three hours and not taking a shower. And. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not hanging out with my 
boys that I haven't seen since last summer and, and keeping a social distance the whole time either. We're going to talk and get into each other's faces and, and slap each other's asses and, and do all the stuff that we always do. We're just not going to do it in front of cameras because we don't want people to criticize us for not social distancing. So they're still right. doing all that. I, 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 believe me, they're still doing all, all the stuff that they always do. <laughs> yeah, and we got, you know, and this is at least – I still think the NBA is going to have the worst setup. I mean, you know, baseball players are almost automatically socially distanced on the field, right? Everybody well, is 50 feet away or 100 feet away from, like, the next guy. I understand there's the dugout and then there's the – but you're on a basketball court. You're just bodies slamming into bodies the whole game. Football, same thing. Right, it's impossible to social distance uh, in a football or basketball game. Right, but as far as baseball, somebody on I don't I don't I don't remember who some old guy, somebody on MLB Network uh, last week legitimately asked a question. So with this social distancing, what's going to happen on a tag play? Are you still going to go all the way in and try to hold the tag, or are you going to try to keep your distance? And I'm like. You stupid no. motherfucker. If you try to go away from a tag and not actually apply it, you're going to be cut and somebody else yeah. is going to be there applying the tag. Of course you have to go all the way yeah. in for the tag. That's I the, mean, unless they bring back the neighborhood oh. play. Yeah, which they're not going to do. But <laughs> You know, when the second, when the, the second baseman catches the ball 10 feet away from the base, but they still call him out. Can you imagine that? Oh, man. I couldn't believe somebody even asked. I, that's the, like the last thing that ever crossed no. my mind thinking about this. Season. I mean, if you're playing basketball and LeBron's going to try to dunk on you, you you try to stop it. Well, if you're smart, you try to social distance out of the way. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. If, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean. No, I know. You, yeah, you, you have to play defense. That's the whole point yeah. of, of defending is, is get in the guy's way and play defense. So, yeah, it, it's it's just kind of all – in a way, it's all wrong because we it really shouldn't be happening. Like, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is sports is really something you should do as a society after a major pandemic has dissipated, not during it, but we're we're doing it anyway. And it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of gross. One, this this one this one sort of got by me. I was fully anticipating. Like, like none of these leagues are hurting for money. None of these players are hurting for money. So this isn't an issue where it's like, you know, people are literally making decisions about going to work because they can't afford to lose their jobs. So they might have to go to work sick. We're talking about mostly guys who make hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars a year, right? It's, it's fine. Look, Hollywood shut down. And in Hollywood, I mean, if Hollywood can shut down, you know, with people who just like look at me, 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 can can go away for a while, even though once in a while they pop back up and do their look at me thing, and then they disappear again. Uh, sports sports can go away, right? I mean, we could we could we could have shut this whole thing down for a whole year and just been completely fine. And, and NFL, uh, they they say they're coming back and they're going to allow. You know, the Jaguars, I think it was announced that. They were going to be letting their fans in, and they were going to fill the stadium at twenty five percent capacity. So I'm like, oh, nothing changed. <laughs> Chargers are saying the same thing. Chargers are like, oh. wait, we might get more. I was about to say, how could the Chargers get twenty five percent full? With uh, how are they pulling people <laughs> off the street and convincing them to you get know, in? So that's 
so I want to space the people out. I, you know, football is more of a made-for-TV sport anyways. You don't actually see the fans when you're watching a football game for the most part, right? You just see the field. Um, basketball, you see the fans. Football, you see the I – mean, baseball, you see the fans. But football – you, you could get away playing football without any fan, but how, it's what I'm interested in is how's this going to feel for the players, right? Yeah, it can't feel good. Where's the, how do you where's the juice? Where's the juice coming from, right? There's no mm-hmm. home field advantage anymore, none. Right. Well, they're trying um, to pump the the crowds in and, and make yeah, a, a home field not, advantage. Are they actually pumping it into the stadium? Like through, a, through speakers, or are they just doing that for the fans at home watching the game to try to make us feel better? Um, well, what the one game I watched tonight, the Cubs uh, at Wrigley Field, it sounded like that was going out through the PH system. Oh, or, or uh, it's it, I might be wrong though. It might be just through the TV, but it sounded like it was going out for everybody. I mean, I want I want to see a guy walking up to intro music, walking up to in an empty stadium. Yeah. I mean, you talked about you talked about watching WrestleMania in this, and how and they're still doing it. Bizarre that was, right? They're still doing that. No fans. Very. Yeah. Well, no, they've started. Uh, see, uh, being a wrestling organization, you can take all the wrestlers that you're not using, and both AEW and WWE are doing this, and they're making the wrestlers that they're not using, like the the prelim guys. They're making them fill in sure. around or around the ringside and cheer and act like fans, uh, so to give oh. some sort of atmosphere, and that's yeah. a little gross too. Because I'd like to, you know, find wrestling. I'd like to stay home with my family and not be out in in, in the middle of this pandemic and catching viruses and yeah. shit. But and and, nope, and, and hugging some sweaty guys. Down. Yeah, no, let's go well, hug no, some no, sweaty I'm, guys and girls. No, I'm just talking about the the wrestlers that aren't working have to come down right. and drive all the way down to the to the arena just to sit there and act like fans. Clap. Like I'm I'm risking catching COVID so I can stand here and on and on TV and clap. Like really, this is what I'm doing. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a little better than the complete silence of the empty arena, but it's still not ideal, obviously. Um, right. So what the sports are doing with the pumped-in crowd noise, the NFL is going to blow that away because uh, you've mentioned the Falcons uh, jokingly <laughs> before. Uh, but all the NFL teams are going to be like, oh, you want noise pumped in? Watch this. They're going to pump in so much noise. It's going to sound like 80,000 people there uh, every Sunday. And you almost – there, there's a little bit more of a legitimate reason to do that in football because of how much – uh, secretive uh, play calls and, and communications that go on during a game between the players on the field, between players and coaches. Uh, there's a lot of things that you take for granted in football that you count on the ambient crowd noise to, to hide, and you're not going to have that. So you're going to have to. That that would really eliminate home field advantage. If you had complete silence when both teams' offenses yeah. are on the field, and now, because you know, that's the thing, is you have an offense like the Rams or you know somebody that you go into a, a visiting. You, we we joke all the time about Jared Goff's road versus home numbers uh, that he has to go into a visiting uh, arena oh, yeah. and and deal with that noise and try to audible and try to make decisions. And he's not the, he's not the same player at all. 
But if it was complete silence, no matter where he went, Jared Goff might put forth uh, an MVP season because he doesn't have to worry about that. And, um, and who knows what level they're going to do this to. I mean, is it going to just be mildly annoying, or is it going to be they're pumping it in so loud that you're going to have the guy standing there with the the hands over the ear holes, you know, because they can't <laughs> hear anything, right? That would be my guess. And, I, I would, I would so pump I it in that loud. I don't know what the dynamic is going to be because you'll know it's artificial. Right. And that's why it was so know, weird though, watching the baseball. It was so knowing how artificial it was. I do know, though, that the, the Jets and the Eagles, they'll just pump in booze no matter what. <laughs> Offense and defense on the field, just booze. Yeah. Just yeah. Booze I, I mean, will they just be, what about, what about like, are they going to just pump in booze for Trubisky? If he, you oh, know, God. Or are fans starting to chant for Nick <sighs> Bowles? Are they going to have that? Are they going to start pumping that in through the speakers? We want fools. We yeah. want fools. Now, apparently, though, they'll have 20% or 25% of the fans that are actually doing that for them. Mm. Spaced out all over. Um, I'm, that's, a, that's a wait and see as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. <sighs> yeah, especially, you know, where we're, we're sitting with, with the numbers and, you know. Right, if you're in a city where yeah. the numbers keep going up, then no, I'm not coming out to a fucking yeah. football I mean, stadium. I have Hell, a, I have, I mean, I have the luxury of living in a, you know, in a part of the state that I'm in where the numbers are, it's not bad, you know, but you go to Madison, you go to Milwaukee, you know, you go to these, these bigger cities and, you know, yeah, it's, it's bad. And, and sports teams other than the Packers really don't have the luxury of playing or Buffalo don't have the luxury of playing in, in smaller areas. So most of these teams are playing in major metropolitan areas and, where the numbers are not very good. And anybody in Florida, it's just got to be like, what well, are we doing South, down here? The whole South just blew up. Yeah. You know, every, you know, like, so the places that were really bad early are a little better now, but it's like, yeah, the, the California is bad. Arizona is bad. Texas is bad. The whole South is bad. I mean, Tennessee where you are has been blowing up. Um, yep. Wisconsin's blowing up. Yeah. So, it's, it's just not going away. No, you know, not so, going away. You know, it's not zero anywhere. I know that. Right. And I don't know what the goal is with everything. You know, well, you know, everything is so nebulous, and you know, you know, I talk to my like I work with the public, right? So I front to the public, and you know, that you went from this like when so when we reopened two months ago, there was that general. You know, there was that like sort of honeymoon phase that, well, every year you're back and, you know, people were generally nice. And, and now we're into the, the honeymoon is over phase and now people are getting more agitated and frustrated and you can't get anything like, like you know, all, almost all of the major industries or the industry that I'm in. Um, if I'm not sitting on product, they're waiting weeks, if not months for some of this stuff to come in. Uh, you're hearing about empty store shelves all over the place. At, at places, uh, especially like home improvement places and big box stores, you just can't get stuff. And things that you, you were used to getting easily, you now can't get at all. And there's definitely a, like, you know, it's not a panic that's setting in, but there's definitely, we're at that frustration phase, and eventually it will reach a panic phase. You can just feel it. Yeah, and it's all, and, it was also foreseeable that when these governors started opening up these states, even though shit was not improving, yeah. And you, you you saw all this was going to happen. Like it was yeah. just going to keep getting worse, and people were going to start getting frustrated because they 
hey, you told me everything was was open again. You told me everything was fine. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and nobody's not and, fine. And nobody's innocent here. This is this is across the board. We talked about this last show. That this is everybody mm-hmm. now, right? This isn't just this isn't a political party or a you know it doesn't matter. This isn't a red blue thing anymore. This is everybody. It's money. It's business. It's it's uh, what business other than saying oh you got to wear masks. What what's what, what business has taken the stand and said you know what we're going to close? Uh, no one's trying to shut down at all. Everyone's trying to find no. a way to stay open. While right. trying to act like they're being safe, and re- we really care about your safety, so we're we're going to uh, mandate that you that everyone has a mask on. Uh, let me just say that uh, I can only speak to the places that I've been, uh, but Walmart is one of them, and Walmart yeah. just announced that they were going to start nationwide mandating that right. everyone that comes in the store wears a mask. The Walmarts that I go to down there, there's a couple of them that's only a, a mile away from me each. They've been mandating. They've, they've had signs at both of them saying you must wear a mask when you come in here. They've had those signs for about a month now, maybe more, a month and a half. It doesn't fucking matter if you don't enforce it. People walk, walking around that store, some of them don't have a mask on. Some of them have a mask up under their chin, which doesn't do any fucking good. Uh <laughs> Mandating masks means absolutely nothing when it's not enforced. And right. even that sucks because I understand how scary it can be to try to enforce it because you had that uh, dollar store. You see, dollar, crazy, uh, you see how crazy people have been getting? Like if they've been you – know, like all the YouTube videos, and like, like you're talking about, people get attacked, people get punched, they spit on people. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely you all of that. The, yeah. And specifically, I was going to mention the dollar store worker a couple yeah. months ago when that start that got shot killed because yeah. they threw threw somebody out of a store that didn't have a mask and they sent their mother or something up there to confront uh-huh. the person and and just the mother shot him dead. Like you got you literally got killed because you tried to have somebody do the safe thing and wear a mask in your store and you got killed yeah. for it. Like I mean, this I is where we are. If the store that I work for, we don't have a mask mandate yet. Yet. That's always the key word. Yet. I do also yeah. feel fortunate enough that I work in a, 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 an environment where we're not packed in tightly. You know, people are pretty well spaced out anyways. It's a huge store. So, and there's never a lot many people there to begin with. So I'm never really that close to people. Um, so I feel okay about that part of it. But if they said you have to wear masks and I'm a manager. And if they said I had to enforce the policy, I'm not kicking people out. I'm not putting my, Right. Yeah, I'm not walking up to these people fucking crazy. Right. I'm not walking so, I mean, up to anybody and saying, you have to wear a mask. Now, there's nothing wrong with informing someone, oh, you know, we do have a, you know, a mask, but, you know, do I need, I don't want someone getting all up in my face or trying to beat me up or spitting on me or, yeah. you know, trying to show you how, because you know, this is all out there. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. when you talk about enforceability, you know, yeah, I mean, we can't keep up with anything that's going on, and what are we going to do? Put the cops after people for this? Great. That's that's what we want, right? Where if we're going through a police brutality issue in the country, and talking about defunding the police, yeah, let's go sick the cops after people for not wearing a mask. See how that turns out. Yeah, that would not go well. But at the same time, I don't know what we're going to do because this thing keeps going. The the coronavirus keeps going through the country. Right. Everybody knows what's going to happen. You talk to enough people, everybody knows. 
it's going to shut down again. But nobody I, wants to like, go there. It's going to happen. It's just when is it like, what's the tipping point going to be? And I still don't think it's cases. I think it's going to be deaths. I know that's not the right thing to say, but that's what I think it's going to have to take. People are going to have to die. People are dying, but they're not dying enough is what I'm saying for them. Somebody to just wake up like last time. Cause you got last time. Not enough. Right death. Now we got that. We shut down with really hardly any cases and, and virtually no deaths. And we kept everybody home for eight, 10, you know, 12 weeks. I was home for nine weeks. And as you, if you watch the curve, you know, you're watching it right about when we opened in mid May, it was on its way down. Like if you draw the line and you go, you know, and you just, it's sad to go. Like if we would have just stayed shut down for maybe another three or four weeks, we, we'd have been like Europe or we'd have been like some of these, like East Asian countries and some of these places that are like mostly over it. Uh, although nobody's truly over it yet. Um, but you would have been in a much better spot. Instead, what we did was we go, we open everything up. Then we have all the George Floyd stuff. Then we have protests. Then we have 4th of July. And then you're just watching the numbers go up and up and up and up and up. <laughs> and they're not stopping. And we went from, you know, and it used to be a bad day. It was like 30,000 cases. or like, ah, 70,000 now. You know, I remember watching the numbers for Wisconsin. The really bad days were like 300 cases. And that's when everybody was like, oh, we're never going to open back up. Now it's like a thousand. And the people are like, yep. ah, just keep going to work. You know? It's okay. So, yeah, be tough. So, so, so everybody is guilty. I'm not one of these people who's just going to go, oh, it's Trump or, oh, it's the Democrats. I'm just going, it's, everybody's guilty. This is equal opportunity failure as far as I'm concerned because you've got business leaders, governors, mayors, a federal government. Everybody has failed. And by the way, you know, and they keep waiting for the other side to do the right thing. So you have Democrats who are waiting for Trump to do the right thing, but you, you've been calling him a Russian spy for four years, but now he's the guy who you want to come and save you. Not going to happen. No, it's like you're now waiting for Trump to do the right thing. Come on, people wake up. <laughs> you have, somebody <laughs> has to do the right thing. And everybody is so busy pointing fingers that nobody's going to do the right thing. And God no, knows business people are not going to do the right thing because they're just counting money. They don't care who's dying. No, it's always been true that locally you can do the right thing, even though you know Trump isn't going to do the right thing. You, you've right. always been allowed to still do the right, right thing. But And most of uh, your local governments now aren't doing the right thing. Or they'll try to do the right thing, and then they'll throw up the lame excuse of, well, you know, we were going to mandate something, or we were going to shut down, but we don't think it'll hold up in court. So fuck it. Everybody dies. And by the way, getting your kids ready to go back to school yet? You know, we were supposed to find out here two two weeks ago. We still have no answer. I still don't know six weeks from now where my kids are going to be come to open to school. Wow. Most of the school districts around here have just said, fuck it, we're opening up. The city I am in oh has not God. decided that yet. So we'll see. No, I, I fully anticipate um, – my prediction's been October all along. That would be the time to shut down because you could see whatever forces, if it's a political thing or whatnot, that, that we will be all home mailing in ballots on election day. That's my prediction. Okay, I I don't see it only because of the the party that's in charge right now, and they don't want mail in votes because that allows more people oh, to vote than normal. 
So I, yeah, I, I, don't, I think you they're going to fight that sort of, Yeah, I'm. I think voting. I think everybody should vote anyways. I don't know if mail-in is the way, but we, we know everything's everything's rigged. Nothing, nothing's nothing's on the up and up. I mean, they can hack voting machines. You can have mail fraud. Come on. We we joke about we, we we go after other countries for open and honest elections, and we have some of the least open and honest elections. Oh, we, it's almost like as, a badge as, of pride uh, in this country how corrupt we are. Uh, yeah, as I've been railing for years and years, the hallmark of America is hypocrisy in in so many different forms. Uh, that's the one great thing that that that's the one thing about America that is great is how uh, how much hypocrisy they they shovel back and forth. Um, right. So well, the, I, the issue for me is that you have the you, you think we think we have a two party system, but we don't. I mean, if you really boil it down, most of your, your two major political parties agree on about 90 percent of everything. And they just throw the other things at us to keep us fighting against each other. Well, they really go hard on the things they disagree on. That's for sure. Oh, my God. Well, I, I, I couldn't believe when I saw when the House voted down. Uh, Trump pulling out the troops from Afghanistan. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 we need more war. I'm like, oh my god, do not turn him into the anti-war candidate again. That did not go well in 2016. Well, nothing went well in 2016. The whole thing <sighs> is messed up. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear like the plan. You know, I'm still waiting to hear. I, mean, I know they're just hoping that. I know that Trump is doing a great job of self-immolating, and he will continue to do that into November. But I still need the I, I need some I need something from 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 Biden and it, it all and every time he opens his mouth it's oh yeah don't don't wait on something from Biden it, it, that's oh, not gonna happen either we, this is the best we can do yeah well I'll tell you someone will win the election but you know who's gonna lose everybody else all of us it, it, all of us normal. <laughs> and why are these conversations the exact same conversations we had four years ago? like we didn't <laughs> learn anything. I still don't know. Yeah, four years ago, I knew what Trump stood for. Whether it was good, right, wrong, or indifferent, you knew what he was for. You didn't know what Hillary was for. She wasn't for anything. She was for, I'm not Trump. And now you have Biden, who's basically his platform is, I'm not him, so vote for me. He's like, oh, oh, this is what we get. We deserve this. Yeah. Because I don't – that's why I don't think uh, that everything will be shut down by October. Maybe after the election, everything might shut down, but – it's so obvious that the forces that are in charge right now, which would be the Republicans, are going to try to keep everything open and hey, everything's normal, nothing to see here, la di da. But you know, the the first time, see, the, I, this is why I don't think the feds will step in because Trump didn't shut anything down. It was the governor shutting everything down. Right, and then they got afraid of Trump saying everything should be open, and they don't want his disapproval, so they started opening everything up again. Which I don't understand because most. Of the, yeah, whatever. You got dumb governors too. So it wasn't like anything. But what happened was when they first shut down, one governor did it, and then a few other governors did it, and then all the other governors were like, oh, it's cool, well, you know, <laughs> shut down. And then when one started to open up, and another one started to open up, they're like, oh, it's cool, we'll all start to open up because it wasn't it wasn't just Trump. They had you know there there was more going on than just Trump saying you guys need to open up. I know here in Wisconsin it wasn't just coming from Trump; it was coming from your business leaders, and it was coming from a lot of different places. So it wasn't just you know that that's the easy 
you know, that's the easy way to point to him. And there's a lot that's true about that. But yeah, it wasn't just, it, it, it's so much more complicated than it's not just Trump said you should open. So they're going to do it because they've been listening to him so far. I, I can't understand why they would, any other reason why they would. Yeah, I, I don't know like, why they're waiting in, for the feds to do anything either, because that, you know, he's not going to mandate anything, because the second he does, he's, he's Emperor Trump. So forget that. But if you're the governor of Florida and you see how awful everything is, and your reaction is to get puffy chested and act like everything is going to be fine, and oh, this coronavirus is going away, and we, you know, everything's going to be <laughs> no, okay. Best. The best part of this was like two months ago when DeSantis was like dunking on New York because New York was a dumpster fire and Florida was still pretty doing pretty good because it hadn't really spread. It hadn't really gotten out of control down there yet. And oh boy, that didn't age well. Not at all. Like, how can people think everything is still okay if you're uh, the governor of Georgia and you see everything yeah. going up? And your reaction is to sue the mayor of Atlanta so that she can't mandate masks. Like, so not only do you see everything going up, but now you, it's almost like you want everything to go up. Like you, you're so uh, ingrained with this idea of mandating masks takes away our freedoms, which is stupid. Uh, But you're so in love with that, that you're going to sue to make sure that they can't mandate masks so that you can continue to have everybody go around with no mask and and keep, keep this thing spreading. Like, it seems like it's so. It seems like they wanted to keep going. Like I don't understand why you would want something to to keep going the way it's going, and you don't mandate masks. You don't mandate people stay home. You you, you right. tried to once, but you you know laid off of that because you thought it was going away or whatever. Like I I just don't understand the the thought process. Yeah. Well, you know the whole thing with I mean they 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 had to shut that the shutdown was the that was the way to go. They they did that right, right? They just didn't do but, it long enough. We didn't do it long enough. They didn't the 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 rescue packages or any the CARES Act that was all BS. You yeah. know here here's a few thousand here's a thousand dollars for you and we're gonna go and we're gonna give you know Amazon and Walmart and we're gonna give them the billions and trillions and here you guys can all have your your six hundred dollars a week for your unemployment so the so. They could have done it better, but no, we're, we're going to, you know, steal from the poor and give to the rich, and that's what the CARES package was. And there's been no other stimulus since then. America, and people are going to lose their home. Yeah, and, and 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 again, that's not a that's not a one party thing. Both parties voted to do that. Yeah, that, it's the the, yeah. the grift is is long and wide, and, and always <laughs> yeah, has I been. Mean, we, it's unfortunate that we have a party already called the Green Party because I would say that that's what they are. That's, that's what your D's and your R's are. They're the Green Party. They're the Money Party, and war, money and war. That's all we need, money and war. Yeah, yeah Florida out been, of control. California. I'm just looking at the list right now. Like you just today, Florida out of control. California out of control. Texas, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, Louisiana, the whole South on fire. Let's let's play baseball. Yeah, Nevada, uh, Wisconsin today almost broke a thousand for the first time. We're we're just waiting. We're just waiting. Yesterday it was nine seventy eight. Today we went down a little bit. Um, yeah, Nevada, Vegas, you know. man, uh, they were they knew they knew how terrible it was when they reopened they, because the mayor of Vegas was on record as saying, uh, "We'll yeah. sacrifice our people." 
yeah, we'll we'll open right. back up and we'll sacrifice and we'll we'll be the test the, the the guinea pigs, the test dummies. We'll see how bad it can get. Oh, it's bad. It, you can yeah. you see how bad it is in Vegas. It's uh, man, I don't know if it's ever going to be quite like it was uh, when we finally uh, went there a few years ago uh, and and finally experienced I, what Vegas was about for the uh, first time. I don't know if it's ever getting back to that. Eventually. You know, it's like I'm sure they thought the same thing in the Spanish flu or whatever, and it's like life is never going to be the same. And eventually this will get rectified. We don't know when. I don't you know, know who will be around for it. Or it'll just be the – oh, I, I – I, I, if I had to, this is probably what, what are they talking about? Vaccine year, year or so? Uh, it better be my life. In, Unless this kills me, it better be in my life. Because <laughs> I, I don't want this for my kids. I don't want, you know, I don't want the, oh, you gotta see how many people died of the goop today. And But in this country where more and more people want to believe that vaccines are evil and the devil and bad for you, that I don't know if the vaccine is going to do that much good. There's so many people out there that want to uh, pretend that that's awful for you. So I don't know. I know me and my wife will be, you know, just about the first in line if they do come with a, whenever they do come with a vaccine, right. we're going to step right up. Now we had the thing, so we know how bad it can, it could be. We also know how lucky we are that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. We know uh, 135,000 dead from this thing right now. We know that we got very lucky that we didn't get uh, a, a terrible, terrible uh, result of this. So uh, one of the coworkers that, uh, got it that I believe passed it on to me. She was in the hospital for about a month. She just sure. finally got back to work this week. Uh, so she was, she was, I think they, I think she said they put her under at one point. They had to, to put her in a coma to deal wow. with everything she was going through. Um, so it's, it's unbelievably awful. Some of the complications that can come from it. Uh, so we'll be there when they do have the, uh, the, whatever the vaccine, whoever comes up with it, we'll definitely be there to take it. But, there's more and more, it feels like more and more people don't want, uh, they don't want masks. They don't want vaccines. They, they don't want anything that they feel it's going to uh, interfere with their, I, I don't know, their freedoms with the, with, I don't, I don't know exactly how the, the mindset works with some of this stuff, but it, to me, it feels maybe I'm uh, reading too much Twitter or something, but to me, it feels like there's more people that want uh, nothing to do with actual remedies to this thing and they just want to they just want to be free they just want to live free no masks no uh shutdowns uh no vaccines no nothing they just want to act like this thing isn't going to get to them. maybe it's just a simple case of they believe it's never going to touch them and, and they just don't they just don't care yeah i don't yeah i don't know uh that i can't speak to i mean i myself i'm not overly worried about it like I don't think I'm going to die from it but people are dying people are dying but not in the numbers that you know would be enough to make me go well if somebody goes you know there's a virus going around and in the country that you live in uh, it's a 99.97 chance percent that you're going to live through it pretty good (laughs) right because that's what we're at right now that's not that bad so that's where I'm at. I'm not. I'm not just going to live my life in fear. It's not a freedom thing. That's just. That's. That's a. I, I'm not. You know, afraid of it. And anyway, I get it. I could die, but I'm gonna die anyways. Um. So, I'm not. I'm not going to go all full mass hysteria on this thing. 
well, maybe we should. Uh, I, I, you know, this many people dead. I don't, I don't care what small percentage of the population that might be. It's still, uh, it's still a lot of fucking people dying right. from. Well, from it's not thing. even a percentage of the population. That's the percentage of people who've gotten it that have died. Point zero three percent. Well, I'd, and those numbers are about to go down anyway and look even less dangerous because the White House is getting those numbers now, not the CDC. So it's about to look well, a CDC, lot better even uh, Well, like I live even in Wisconsin. Not really CDC, was, CDC was never reporting our numbers to begin with. So you our numbers – the... no, CDC was – I mean even in the state of Wisconsin, the CDC was never putting out the daily numbers. It was always uh, – Health and Human Services putting the numbers out here in Wisconsin. And that hasn't changed since the change. So I don't know how it was in Tennessee or any other state, but I'm not seeing any numbers going down <laughs> I mean, since, since there's been the change. So I don't know if that's as I don't know if that's as nefarious as it's being talked about. That suddenly, all of a sudden, we're going to be three days from now and be like zero cases. I'd be like, oh, what? Huh? Yeah, uh, I. Wouldn't be the least bit surprised. No, but that's uh, that's baked into everything with Trump now, or or anything that the government, federal, you know, anything they do, I get it. It's deserved. They've earned it. Um, but as I'm sitting here and I'm watching that since the change has been made, we've had like three out of the four highest reported days, dates, days in the state that I live in. I'm not going, yeah, they're faking this. Because I, well, I, I get, I see the updates every day for hospitalizations and active cases. Because I track this stuff, I want, I watch. I'm, I'm in the know. I work with the public, so from that standpoint, I do want to know what's going on. Um, but then I also know that if I get it, I've got a 99.9 something chance of living through it. I probably take more risks driving to work every day. Driving the four, I probably have a higher chance of dying on my forty-mile trek to work back and forth every day than I do of the virus. Okay, well, I mean, if I'm just going statistics-wise, right? I mean, wondering why it's not going. It's not even close to the leading cause of death in the United States. We're tracking these deaths as if they're the only deaths that have occurred in the last five months. People are still dying of shit every day. Coronavirus is not the main thing that's killing people. It's the thing that's in the news every day. You know, we don't have a cancer tracker and a suicide tracker and an overdose tracker and a, you know, diabetes tracker. We, we don't have all that. Maybe we should. You know, people could have their eyes opened up to the, you know, oh, I, maybe I should be healthier. Maybe, you know, maybe I should be doing other things. Um, but, you know, you know, I'm always skeptical of, of coverage of things. And this is definitely the thing that's been, it disappeared for a month conveniently. Nobody talked about it. And now it's back. Well, the the numbers were starting to flatten out and then they started shooting back up again. Uh, it is in the news because I, I think because it's something that so obviously could have been uh, not totally shut down, but, a lot less deadly than it has been. It, it so easily could have been uh, so many of these deaths could have been prevented by just doing the right thing and people wearing masks and, and maybe shutting down and social distancing even more than we were before, but it just hasn't gone that way. So right. 
I understand the the keeping track of it and and making sure everyone knows, hey, this is still going, this is not going away, and and we need to do better as a as a people. All of us need to do a lot better than what we're doing, uh, or else these numbers are just going to keep going up. Um, you know, the, the talking about how unhealthy people are and dying of other things is is unrelated, but it's true. We all could lower all of our numbers right. by being a lot healthier. That That is true. Well, and this is, this is, it's related because a lot of your, well, like half the coronavirus, half the Corona deaths, half of this 140,000 were that first initial wave that sort of like wiped out all the nursing homes, which was just a travesty. And I'm, there's nobody in jail for any of that. Like taking sick people and throwing them into nursing homes. Nobody, people get a pass for that. But that's literally half the deaths that we've had in this country were that first wave that ran through Washington and New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Massachusetts with all of the um, nursing home deaths. It just racked those areas. The majority of New York's deaths were that. That's when New York was losing like a thousand people a day. And they like the body bag. That was like almost all exclusively nursing home stuff during the shutdown. Um Generally healthy people are are not dying from this. And that's why if we're talking about health, it does matter. You know, people who are healthier have a much lower chance. And they talk about like the the more unhealthy you are because the coronavirus isn't exactly what kills you. It gives you the complications to let other things kill you more easily. Um, and if you have these other things, if you already have a breathing issue, if you're asthmatic, if you're diabetic, all these other things going on, it makes it harder to live through because your body can't handle it. So I have tried to educate myself on this. It's not like one of these things where I'm just running around with the blinders on. So when I say I'm not like overly concerned that I or my family are out, we're going to run out and die from this thing. It's because statistically I'm not the person getting it and dying from it. My kids aren't the people, my wife, you know. Plus, um, if, the deaths were mostly elderly at the beginning, I, and since then it's tamped down some. I guess I just wonder, uh, for someone who would be healthy and would get it and maybe not even know it, and then wind up passing it on to someone who's not as healthy, like, do they? is there any remorse from that? Or just like, well, it, it didn't really affect me, so I'm good, so it, it didn't really matter. Like I, I, that mentality, I, I just I don't understand. Like we, we're they try to be really good about educating people and telling people to uh, be safe and wear masks, not to necessarily to protect themselves, but to not right. get it and give it and uh, breathe it on other people and give it to other people who aren't as healthy and aren't uh, you know ready to accept the the complications that come with it. And that's where a, a lot of the spreading is coming down is, is people passing it on who don't even, some of them don't even know they had it because it didn't give them any real symptoms. Uh, so that's where it just makes me, makes me, makes me shake my head every day that so many people are just so angry and screaming about, I refuse to wear a mask. I refuse sure. to do this. And yeah. Do and that. I, that's not me. I'm not that guy. I mean, I can, I can quantify something without being like, you're not going to take away my freedoms. So if somebody said, hey, you can't shop in our store unless you have a mask on, I'm respectful enough that I would wear a mask. No, that's good. Because that's their policy. I'm not going to be the, yeah, I'm not the guy 
not some Jethro out there. Be like, no, man, I got my freedom. Mine gonna... No, I mean, I've, you know, my mom was in the hospital. I wore a mask. Okay. So it's not one of these things where, yeah, but like you said, it's, it's unenforceable. Places aren't going to enforce it. Companies have it on their books. They don't tell you this, but they're not going to refuse business to somebody not wearing a mask. The big companies, maybe the little places will try it. But your Walmart and Target and Kohl's and all your your, your big box stores, you think they're really going to turn away money? Or piss well, not off just that, but it's not just that. It's the, they have the same thing in common with my workplace, which is the, the people making those decisions don't ever have to set a fucking foot up in the place and enforce oh, anything. Right. So it's real easy to say, you guys need to enforce uh, the policies and make sure people to come in uh, wearing a mask. And if they're angry and have firearms, uh, well, then you're just going to have to do what you got to do and enforce them. And meanwhile, I'm going to keep sitting here in my leather chair and count my money. Yeah, the Um, president of Dollar Tree isn't the one getting shot. Never, because he would never set foot in a Dollar Tree, (laughs) uh, coincidentally. Um, And the president of my company uh, that processes these uh, bankruptcy payments is never setting foot on our ground. So they can send all the emails all they want about everyone supposed to be wearing masks. But the fact is a lot of people in my job still aren't wearing masks and the supervisors are not going to enforce it because they don't really, it's not, it's not just that they don't care. It's, now, it's have you really been told? Have you been told? Have you signed anything? Have you been told? Cause you're comp- like an individual company can enforce that in its employees. No, I haven't had to sign anything saying, okay. I, uh, I wear, but there's so many emails and signs up at work that tell us it is now company policy that everyone must wear a mask. Yet everyone's not wearing a mask, so it's just they're not going to come just in there and fire everybody. It's just words that yeah, no, no one's going to come right. in there and, and enforce it and, and tell us that we're that we have to yeah. wear a mask. No, it's just not. No, gonna I, I, I completely, I completely agree that we were on the right path. I mean, there's everything in the numbers you can look at, any graph, any data. You can look at the curve and you can see that, you know, mid-May, it was going in the direction that everything said it was going to go in. And um, our our lowest point was, you know, right around the time or when it was going down the most was right before everything opened. There's such a rush. I, I this, The rush to reopen drove me as crazy as the the rush to close because the rush to close everybody got got caught off guard like wait nobody's dead nobody's sick so they knew they you know they they go through they do all the right things but man that that dollar that, that thing you know can't can't, can't keep the economy like, closed gotta like open it up crack man that, that dollar it, it, that you know like i said it's not republican or democrat it's green man that's all that this is about I know grandma might die, but our economy might die, and that's way more important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and there's yeah. Both both. I I I'm not one of these who's going to just point to you know. I'm just going to do what I always do. I'm going to stand in the middle and put both my arms out and point my finger because <laughs> <laughs> I can point at both sides and and not be ashamed of doing it. Well, I. I, I see a, a way that it could have gone if, if other sides were had more power and more influence, and, and I really do believe that it would have gone a, a different way. Um, it wouldn't have been zero. No one's saying that. But it would have been a lot better than it is now. I, I really do believe that. Well, uh, it's easy to believe. You have to believe that. 
I don't know why anyone would want in. <laughs> it's baked in. You got to believe it. I mean, I mean, you have a segment of our society that lives for, for no other reason than to hate Trump. They have to believe it. Doesn't matter. If it's good, bad, or indifferent, they believe it. The resistance. There's a whole lot to do with the fact that he's the worst president of all time. So it's not like it's just out of thin air. I I have only had the luxury of living through 43 of our 240-some, 44 out of our 240-some years. Um, Yeah, definitely pretty far down the list of the ones of my lifetime. We haven't had some great ones. I don't know if we really had a – like, is there – everybody's had their flaws. Trump just magnifies everything. He magnifies everything that people hate. He definitely lets you lets you. He, he shows you the ugly side of everything, and he's not ashamed to do it. And that and that's the shame to me is, is the yeah. fact that he's we're always like, we're, done see, that. We're used to being lied to with a smile and a slick suit. He doesn't bother with that part. So he so no. he lies to us, and you know you're being lied to, and you feel dirty for it. Everybody else made you feel good about the lies. But but that's just it. You you know how dirty and slimy and disgusting he is because he doesn't hide it. And 60 million people said, yeah, I want that. It's like, how? I, I'll never understand this. Never. Anyway. The other side was, wasn't any more attractive, I can tell you. I watched it. So what we're, we're being given to choose from. We're not, being the, we're not getting the best and brightest here. How Joe Biden won that primary. First of all, it was totally dirty. But you know, the way that that all, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's he's losing, losing big time. And everybody coalesces away from Bernie Sanders to Joe Biden to give him Super Tuesday. And in such a calculated way, just like we had happen, well, I don't know, four years ago. Yeah. You know, there's a segment of the Democratic Party that would rather have Trump win than Bernie Sanders would win because he was on the pathway. He was winning primaries. He was getting all the delegates and all of a sudden they, the best they could come up with was Joe Biden. And that turns a lot of people off. I know it turned a lot of people off to Hillary last time. There were people who were going to vote for Bernie Sanders who refused to vote for Hillary Clinton. No, that, that, that happens every year though. Every uh, election year. Oh yeah. I remember when they did it. Oh God. Who did they do it to? Who, who got who got like completely shut out of the? Or it was Ron Paul? Remember when Ron Paul got completely shut out of the process? Mm-hmm. Like he was winning primaries or finishing second or third, and they would just like pretend he wasn't there. <laughs> like they just, <laughs> you know, because that's the system. See, that's the problem, and that's yeah. and this is why every you know, twenty years from now they will be able to look back on the fact that one of Trump's unpopularities, other than the all of his major flaws, is. He's not a system guy, right? He's not of them, and he never will be. So everybody, you know, every side has worked against him. His own side has worked against him. Um, and I don't. I'm not. This isn't a defense of anything he's done. I'm just saying that it's, it, when you look back on it, when we can go back and look at it, and hopefully we're done with COVID and everything's going, and we're all living in the utopian society that we all think we're going to be living in someday. Um, they're going to look back and be like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the system did not like an outsider in the system. And it's that you can see it because it comes from everywhere. 
Well, our system is that we're about to get snipered, so we're going to get out of here and Uh-oh. we'll be back. Was this Portland? <laughs> no, not that sniper. Uh, That's disappeared. We'll That's Effingham. Portland's turned into Effingham. <laughs> Just throw you in the bin and disappear you. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night to preview the upcoming baseball season that's starting at the end of July. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going like to try to a parody show. <laughs> I'm going to try to have fun with uh, with, right. with my previews. I'm I'm not going to take it quite as seriously because it's 60 games. Who the hell really knows, right? All right. He's Did Jay. A, I'm wait Dre. a minute. We didn't we didn't get sniper. What's going on? Is it past 11? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It says recording left, 45 minutes. What? But it's counting up. Where's the chick? Well, I oh, say, yeah. I, I, I say, say episode that? ended. The the chick? Um, the chick? Can I, I say, say chick? I, I think so. You, you can say anything oh, okay. you want. There, so, wait, there is oh, no... so now we just get silent snipered. <laughs> well, we're talking. So is this recording or not? Because it says episode I... ended. That's so, so weird. But we're still going. I, I don't. I don't yeah, know. Just, we'll, we'll find out after we end the show if we were able to still. Well, at least your yeah, audio. At least your audio issues uh, cleared up because that got that got bad. Oh yeah, that is it's it's the, it's the the cable. It's the cable company yeah. that it, it's just bad because, like I was telling you, we get you know times where we're, we're on the internet and just all of a sudden just drop and it's like okay what happened what you know yeah. again we just dropped it's for no reason yeah, so it's just the company is bad um so we, we might look into changing that at, at some point um yeah 1102 we're still talking yeah, i, I have no idea if this is recording you don't even get options for cable anymore right i thought it was just one conglomerate in every area you have very little options for- yeah at, at yeah, I think you're right because I remember when I, you know, my first apartment and there was like four or five different companies to choose from, and now I don't right. think it's like that. Yeah. Yeah, because we have Spectrum, and then somebody else is supposed to be moving into the area next year with like higher speed internet. But then when I actually read what the agreement would be, it's awful. <laughs> like, like we're moving. Got to sign up for area. four years or something. We're, we're, no, we're moving into your area with fiber, and you're going to get this super high-speed internet line. So I'm like, okay, well, let me see what that's all about. Yeah, if you want the super high-speed internet line, it's like $175. Oh, no, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. need super high-speed <laughs> internet that bad. I mean, this isn't like right. dial-up, you know, that right. I'm on right now. I'm on decent internet. I mean, my, my, I usually am pretty stable when we're on the show. I can do everything I want to do online, you know, if I want to – watch a video or read something. I don't click a button, go make a sandwich and come back. And then the spinny wheel is just finishing up. So, you know, it's 2020. I think. Uh, dial up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't get disconnected. If I get a phone call. <laughs> Kids, let me tell you about dial up. <laughs> yeah. I was your age. Or... Oh man. Yeah, so no, they stay safe. I mean, yeah, I'm, we're, we're, I'm trying. We were. You're obviously we're, more major metropolitan than I am, you know. And and uh, Angela is scared to death. Um, we're uh, she moved back in. Uh, was the last how did Tuesday? She, did she come? She came through okay, or? Yeah, but I mean, she like got a lingering, or. 
No, but the problem is she's never got the test back to say that she was officially negative, even though she took the test two weeks ago, because the numbers exploded so much down here that you can't just get a test and get your results the next day like I did. Like, it's not the same anymore because our numbers just went crazy. So she's literally going on uh, two, two and a half weeks and still hasn't gotten her her test results back. So she she feels good, but she's just... yeah, Not sure. She she doesn't okay. she, she doesn't have it. She just doesn't doesn't have the uh, official notification that she doesn't have it. So until then, we're living separately. Like she, we split the house, and she oh won't, boy. We, we we don't we're not interacting because she's so afraid of that she might still have it. And she's afraid of me bringing it home again, which I already did once, uh, and I still yeah. have to go to work. So she's there's no way to trust that because, like I said, people are still walking around at work with Is no it- mask and and don't care. Is it like an so 80s no... sitcom where you put the red tape right down the middle of the house? Does <laughs> uh, it's, it's every version. 80s sitcom have an episode like that where they split the house in half? Well, you don't want to come over here, and I'm not going to go over there. And you can't come over here, so nah. Yeah, that, that is a, a that does sound like an episode of Three's Company or Perfect Strangers. but uh... Or Growing Pains or <laughs> anything. We can't say – can we still say Cosby Show? No, uh, can't say Cosby well, no. Again, you can say anything. There is no cancel. Can you deal with consequences? But no, um, no, it's it's the modern version um, because we'll text each other like I'm going in the kitchen, okay, and then I know not to come out wow. of the room, and then she'll text, okay, okay. I'm through, okay, I'm gonna go in there. So yeah, it's, it's the modern. Yeah, I mean, we'll, I remember uh, Facetime each I other went, and stuff. Yeah, when I thought I had it and I got my test, yeah. I, I mean, I was sequestered in the house, and it was not fun. I mean, I did. I was. I did right. not enjoy any bit of that. So, no, I've been. I've been. I've been healthy. I mean, I go to work every day. They, I take my temperature every day at work. Can't work if I have a fever. Got to go home. You know, hmm. and the bar is pretty low. It's like ninety nine point nine on one of those digital things, and it's like, you know, that's it. You're out of here. We haven't had one yet. Um, but no, that's why. I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm still. We're still pretty lucky here. I mean, we're in a county. You know. 135,000 people we've had one death right in five months I'm sure more than one person has died in this last five that's what I mean so one out of 135,000 isn't making me you know hide under my pillow I mean I am also not running out going places like irrationally I'm not going to Walmart I'm not going to Target (laughs) right I'm not yeah. going to those places, so it's not like I'm putting myself, other than going to work and coming home every day, I'm not going and putting myself in situations that would be obvious, like, I'm going to go get the the virus, right? I mean, a couple of times that we've gone out to eat, we've been like the only people there. Yeah, I believe that, because I don't know when we're going to go out to eat again. Yeah, uh, so yeah uh, the I, busiest, I believe that. The busiest place that we've gone to actually to go out to eat, I actually worry more about my wife. My wife worries, works much more in confined spaces and with the public than I do. You know, I, I drive my car, I walk into my store, I'm in this huge store, tens of thousands of square feet. Nobody's really on top of each other anywhere. My wife, you know, she's in an office, she's doing things, she's signing papers, she's doing all this stuff, sitting across desks from people, you know, in an enclosed space. So I, I actually worry more about my wife than I worry about me right. picking up anything. Because I, I also just don't go to the stores. Right. You know, that decision was made early 
in this whole thing when I was the one at home doing all the stuff with the kids and my wife was still working. So she's the one who does all the grocery shopping. And so, but she, she, she takes, she wears her masks in the mask stores and she's got her mask with her all the time. So, so no, when I say I, I'm not just running around eager to wear a mask, I'm also not running around like irresponsibly just going places like touching people and hugging people. And, you know what I mean? So, right. so I'm on, I'm on more of the social distancing spectrum of the, you know, side of the spectrum than I am the, I'm just going to mask up everywhere I go. I'm not going to walk around. I'm not taking my kids to the park and wearing a mask. That would not be a good idea. Right. So what, I, what I'm saying is I'm not, you, there's also got to be the, the perspective of, you know, I'm not just going and doing all these things like everything I was doing before and just like, ah, I'm not wearing a mask just for the hell of it. No, I, I, so a lot of what I've done is basically I'm at work, I'm at home. That's my life right now. Right. So that's my perspective. Maybe that, that maybe okay. that is a little bit more informative than what I had said before, where it just sounded like I was maybe just doing everything you thought. Like you thought I was just walking through Walmart, like, ah, you know, my middle finger up at everybody. And No, I, I admit I wasn't uh, taking into consideration if you were going that many places. I just heard I'm not wearing a mask, and I'm like, oh, no. He's no I'm just, I'm just not freedom. going anywhere. I drive okay. my car to work. I walk in my work. I don't wear a mask at work. A lot of my customers wear masks. A lot. Not not all, but a lot. Quite a few. Because Kohl's, which is right by us, where they have mask policies. So anybody who comes who's spilled over from there already has it on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say maybe 40, 50% of the people that I interact with have a mask. Most people don't. Most people are staying far enough away anyways where if I'm talking to somebody, and I, I try to talk – you know, I'm trying to stand 10, 15 feet away from people. I can talk loud. That's not a problem. And I've never been a close talker that I need to stand right next to somebody when I talk to them anyways. So, yeah, I'm doing more of the, I'm just trying to stay away from people. Okay. So, yeah. And I don't go to Walmart. I don't go to Target. I don't go to stores. <laughs> I don't do any of that stuff. I've, right. Amazon, I've, even though it's the, the <laughs> evil empire, is, is a very uh, convenient thing. They don't mail you COVID. <laughs> we don't think. No, uh, not that I know of. So. So, good reason why Bezos has that many billions, because it's it, as evil as it is, it is very yeah. useful. Yeah, if I could go back to the 90s and start thinking about how about selling used books out of my garage, I would have done that. Man, all the ideas, investing in some, some Apple stock. Yeah, there's so many things we could have done. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. That's been a long show. The trouble is I, I, I talk so long I don't, so much at work, and I talk so long on these shows, I don't even know if we're still recording. But then I get the sore throat, and then I'm like, oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> do, do I got it? I got do it. I got the do I got it? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll end here so you don't have to have any more sore throat. I don't know how much of this recorded. It, 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 it says a- episode ended. So I don't know. People, people we'll, are we'll just, find people out. are getting whether we're recording or not. It's basically the same conversation, right? Pretty much, yeah. 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 All right. And well, we'll do it again Wednesday. Yeah, I'm actually off the next three days, so um, Wednesday is perfect. I'll be okay. able to sit down and you know have all my little notes and my rosters and my depth charts and who's got the goop and who doesn't have the goop and. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to try to just stick to what I was going to – I 
was already thinking about this before. Like, so I, I'm not going to deviate much from what I thought about this season before the season started, you know, back in, back in March when I was actually researching baseball. Right. Well, but there's got to be a little deviation because there's so many people that aren't going to be there this year that were going to be there. It hasn't been like high impact enough for me yet. Yeah, it's not MVPs. I understand that, but it's still pieces. It's still important pieces. Hey, perfect opportunity for these extra guys that these teams are going to carry now, right? A lot of these teams are going to start playing some of their top prospects, I think, because of this. Mm -hmm. Where you might see some of these guys. So, hey, who knows? You get a little sneak preview of maybe some of these hot players that normally you'd have to like wait for half the season to see because of like the, the bullshit, uh, you know, service, service time. time rules. Yeah. So we'll see. Huh. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll, we'll talk Wednesday. I'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.